chapter number 4, and I'm going to ask, if you will, to look with us in verse number 28. The book of John, chapter number 4. The book of John, uh, again, something you've probably been acquainting yourself uh, with here in these uh, last uh, few days and this last week. And uh, we're going to take a look here uh, at a very familiar passage of Scripture and uh, see what the Lord would say to us tonight. John chapter 4 and starting at verse number 28 and through 30. And uh, if you will, I encourage you to keep your Bible marked as uh, we're going to be making some reference here. We're going to be making some reference here uh, to some of these other verses within this story. If you're there with me, won't you say amen? amen? The Bible says, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. The woman then left her water pot. Somebody shout water pot. Amen. The water pot. And if I may tonight, just for the sake of a thought, somewhere to hang your hat, and uh, we're going to get this direction tonight, I simply want to preach on the thought, from a sip to saturation. Amen. From just a sip to saturation. Can we tonight one more time pray? And ask the Lord to meet with us here tonight as we look at the Word of God. Father, I thank you once again for the privilege that we have to be in your presence. And every heart and life represented in this house tonight, those that would join us by way of live stream. I ask tonight that you would anoint your Word as we take a look at the truth of your Word. And I pray your Word challenge us and deal with us. I ask, Lord, tonight that we would open our ears with your help. And, Lord, that our heart, oh, would, would feel the pull of your presence. That we would let the word of God rest in the fertile ground of our soul. Lord, I pray tonight that you would help me. Anoint my mind and lips. And I pray always, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. We want to hear you. Lord, we want to see you. And I pray, meet with us in these altars tonight. Help us that we leave here changed. And we thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. From just a sip to saturation. Hallelujah. Tonight, I'm not going to pretend or even try to convey to you that I'm going to present a thought that you have not yet heard or that you are not necessarily, uh, that you haven't already been acquainted with. But what I must do tonight is share what I believe God has laid upon our heart, amen, for this evening as to what he would want to say and I believe challenge with us or challenge us the church with in regards to his word. As we look at this tonight, and if you will allow me, uh, I don't do this very often, but I am going to attempt to work this story backwards. We're going to walk it backwards a little bit. As I read to you what is often uh, read at the conclusion of this particular passage. As we see this woman of Samaria who has been at the well having conversation 
conversation with our Lord. There are a lot of things that I personally have preached out of this particular text. And there are things that I have heard others preach out of this text. It's not the first time I've heard the water pot preached about. There's other things that I have uh, I have uh, uh, taken and the Lord has dealt with my heart about at times and preaching out of this. But tonight, as we look at this and as we are fairly familiar, I'm not going to assume that everybody is. That's a dangerous assumption. But that there is probably a majority of you that are very well acquainted with some of the specifics of the story. And so as we walk ourselves backwards and we are acquainted with the details of this passage, I do believe that what transpires with this woman of Samaria is uh, that there is something very significant about this piece of the story. I believe that actually that the water pot, if you will, is a key. A key to this story. It is a key and it is a powerful symbol or emblem, if you will, of what is getting ready to transpire in this woman's life. And as I look here at this, uh, at this water pot, my mind began to just, uh, if you will, I, I became a little bit uh, infatuated with the water pot and began to think about uh, this particular piece of the story. Now, there might be some that would argue that, well, the key is always Christ. And yes, don't get me wrong, He is the centerpiece of everything. And we know that Christ had come. And we have heard about him coming and making his way to that well and going out of his way into Samaria uh, and, uh, and, and, and having conversation with this woman. We find as to where Christ reveals to her, and we're going to bring up some of these things uh, about how he is, uh, he is that well of living water and and uh, that if she would drink of those waters, she would never thirst again. And, and uh, some might argue that these are the more important pieces of this particular place of Scripture. However, again, uh, and maybe this is just for Jacob tonight, uh, but in my mind, I can't get away. I cannot get away from this woman's water pot. As you're reading the Scripture and all that is said in these verses in regards to the story of this woman at the well. We come to find that of all the significant markings and all the high notes of the story and like I've already said of some what might think are more important pieces. I do believe the water pot is a strategic detail that if you're not careful in the reading you can overlook it. If you're not careful it's just very short in what it says. As we were reading here in verse 28 I mean just a few poignant words that says and then the woman left her water pot amen and went her way into the city I do believe amen that this point that is strategically placed here in scripture it lends us to understand that this woman as she comes to the point of leaving this water pot it was significant in the fact that she was leaving a very important part of who she was and what tied her to her past and what tied her to all the things of who she was she left it there because she had made a decision to choose him the Christ amen her past was going to be behind her and she was going to drink from a brand new well I believe that we get a better picture of people when we see and take notice of what they are connected to. What are the things that they treasure? What are the things that they hold on to? You see tonight truthfully in this house there are all of us that in some form or fashion there are things that we are connected to. There are things that we carry with us. There are things that we hold fast 
has to because it brings us some comfort. Because it even brings us some sense of identity. It brings us some semblance, if you will, of normalcy. We see that with children from a very young age, it can be a pacifier. It can be a blankie. It can be a particular toy. It can be whatever the case. And that child will gravitate to and carry something like that around with them. And they have to have it wherever they go. I know more than one mom and dad who's been halfway down the road. Oh, yes, Grandma Kelly said. Been more than halfway down the road and said, hang on. We got to turn around right now. Amen. Because before maybe baby boy or baby girl noticed it. Or maybe they already did and the tears were a-flowing. And the lungs were expanding. And there were decibels that were nearly ungodly going on inside of that car. Amen. Because particular thing was left behind. I'll never forget. I'll tell you know how it is. Poor Ashlyn don't stand a chance. She's my only example in the house. Being an only child. But I'll never forget Sister Brenda. In the same week, we took away her pacifier and her bottle. Now she... Now, oh, I know, we was brave, we was young and dumb, but we did it, amen. But we did it. And I remember, Brother Keith, that uh, when uh, we took away that pacifier, just one day, Carolyn said, this is the week that we're going to do it. And she just, uh, you know, going through her stuff, she went and she grabbed up pacifiers. And, and uh, one day, as Ash just, you know, toddling around the house and all that good stuff, she just went over, dropped them in the trash can and that was it and uh, and as a result of that uh, Ashlyn normally wanted that pacifier when it was time to take a nap or time for bed and so I remember very candidly we were talking about this not too long ago it was that Ashlyn after that pacifier was gone when you would rock her to sleep she would begin to hum and it wasn't just a quiet hum she would hum to the top of her lungs. I mean, it was a hmm, hmm, hmm. And you, you know, you'd be, she'd do it in rhythm as you'd rock her or you'd pat her back. Hmm, hmm, hmm. And then, Sister Anna, it went from not just humming, but that little hand would go up and it would find your ear. And she would work that ear. And so she was humming and she would work your ear over. She'd grab a hold of that ear. And she'd just rub on it and turn it and twist it. And sometimes, I mean, I'd want to say uncle. She'd have me pulled down. You know, but you're trying not to disturb as she's going to sleep. And that was her coping mechanism, I guess, if you will. I'm not a child psychologist. But once the passy went away, it was humming and pulling on the ear. And she finally brother Danny thank God I don't have to go lay down by her and let her pull my ear in the middle of the night but but she had let that go and the truth of the matter is is that uh, uh, the, as we look at our lives now I pray that you are past uh, well past a pacifier and a blankie but the truth is this is that everybody in here you see there are things that we will lay down but often we trade them for something else we will lay certain things down but we will trade them and exchange them for something else it might be something that's in a little bit different capacity. It might be something that doesn't draw the attention that one thing used to but yet we still have it and yet we're still connected to it and yet it is still there. And if you may allow me that tonight I would dare say that spiritually speaking that there are proverbial water pots in this very building. Tonight I'm carrying one under my arm and it's tangible and physical and you can see it but the truth is that brother Tobin all of us we have particular water pots and I want to if I can for the next few moments I want to talk a few
few things about what happens with these water pots. I want to talk to you about a couple of things of what these water pots, what they signify. The Word of God tells us that in the story that Jesus, being weary from his journey, as a matter of fact, if you still have your Bibles open, you can take a look at John, the fourth chapter there where we started, verses 5 through 7. And it says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. This marks in times of Scripture. This was the sixth hour normally indicated that of about noon. And so you can, you can uh, in your mind, imagine about right there in the heat of the day. And it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. I first want you to understand that this water pot that this woman had, let me first say this, it was not anything that I'm going to present to you that she possessed that was sinful, that was out of the ordinary. As a matter of fact, many would say, well, how else would they have carried their water? It was essential. We understand that. But I want you to understand some of the spiritual significance of what's going on. The Bible said that Jesus, he had told his disciples that he had need to go through Samaria. Now, I know they didn't have watches back then, Brother Chad, but as they would look at the sun, maybe it said, you sundial in his mind, Sister Karen, Jesus said, I've got an appointment to keep. Amen. I've got an appointment to keep. He was driven there, Brother Chad, by a need. Now, he was weary from his journey. In his physical body, he was thirsty. But the substantial reason, oh, the consequence of him going to Samaria was because he said, I'm going to meet that woman because she's going to show up there. And she shows up there consistently, I believe, at 12. O'clock. If you look in scripture, there's reference to the fact that even the shepherds, they would rest their sheep in the noontime. They would lay them down and then they would do things such as prepare for drawing water, getting them ready to water them and cause them to rest. I don't know about the goods that this woman had. I don't know about any of the livestock that the possible man she was living with, what he had, or if it was just for the house household but there was appointed time now I say that to say this is that the thing about the water pot was is that it was enough to suffice that need it was enough to suffice and brother Chad every time there at noon because God can see what nobody else can see he knew this woman's schedule he knew exactly where she was going to be and what she was going to be doing at that moment she was going to show up at that well and fill up that pot to suffice her need but here's the thing is that every day brother Eddie at 12 o'clock at some point in some time that was the cue for her to grab that water pot and make her way down to the well because that water pot would only suffice so many needs in a given day that water pot would only suffice and so therefore brother Mike here she was bound to the schedule and when Jesus showed up that day and sat on that well side he was going to introduce her to water that would not only suffice in that moment but sister Gwen he was going to reveal to her there was something that was going to go beyond that water pot that would take her from just being sufficed for a moment of her household only being sufficed for a day and a half and she'd have to go back and draw to where he would say I'm going to give you something that if you can let go of that water pot that has you back 
to schedule has you bound to where it will only meet a need for a little while. I'm going to give you something that will carry you from now to eternity. I want to let somebody know tonight the water pots we often hold on to, they only offer us and suffice momentary sips. They only offer us momentary sips, and then they run out. There are things that we hold on to, and things that are in our possession. And Brother Chad, they will suffice you for a moment. They will satisfy you for a little bit. They'll get you through the day. They'll take care of you for the moment. But I want to say tonight that oftentimes in spiritually speaking in terms is the fact that we tragically as believers often settle for the suffice of a moment and we are taking sips from water pots that only get us from point A to point B, from Sunday morning to Sunday night. And then there are some that say, come Monday, preacher, I'm as dry as can be. How come on, How come I feel one way on Sunday and I feel another way on Monday? How come it seems that what I have is not sustainable? How come it seems that what I have, it's because instead of being willing to be saturated and to be completely overwhelmed, with the goodness of his glory and the power of his might that we have regulated God to sips from a water pot because it just suffices for the moment. It just suffices. I tonight want to remind the church that God wants to get you from sips to saturation. That God wants to get you from water pot mentality To get me to that well of living water. Amen. We too often are satisfied and we are sufficed with little sips. We are sufficed with little bits. This woman every time there at noon she was showing up to draw and to fill up that pot just to get her through another little bit of regimen of time. Why is it that we often deal with an eternal God on such a temporal level? Why is it that you think that what he does for you on a Sunday will not suffice you in the days of the week. Now listen, I understand Monday you're going to fight the devil. Monday all of hell's going to scream in your ear. But too many times we are throwing up our hands. We're hanging our head in defeat. We're saying this is just how it is. I've got to live with the struggle. I've got to live with the failure. I've got to live with this trouble and that thing. Friends, I want to tell you, my Jesus went to Calvary for far more than that. He went to Calvary and he conquered death, hell, and the grave so that I, so that you could walk in the power of his might and stand in victory that comes through him. Somewhere along the line, the church has bought into the lie that we are called to be up and down and in and out, to be inconsistent. I'm sorry, but I'm tired of this bipolar effect of Christianity. I'm tired of seeing folks saved Sunday, but you ain't saved on Monday. I'm tired of seeing folks that'll shout on a Sunday, but you've lost all victory come Thursday. Men, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to pray and sing in the altar on Sunday and cuss at the plant on Monday. You ain't got to pray around here on a Sunday, and you have no prayer life until Sunday rolls back around again. You hear what I'm saying? You ain't going to shout, but I'm going to preach anyway. Amen. 
I don't want I I don't understand. I don't understand why. Why are we doing that? Why are we thinking, well, this will suffice me just a little bit? I'm telling you, my Savior paid the price, shed his precious blood, overcame all of these things so that I can. The word of God says, Brother Heath, that through him I am more than a conqueror. I want to tell somebody tonight there is victory for someone who is willing to lose a water pot mentality and say get me to the well. I'm tired of sips of his goodness but I want to be saturated in his power. I want to be saturated in his presence. Well, Brother Jacob, are you trying to say there's never going to be struggles and never going to be hard days? No, absolutely not. But I am saying this, that every time something comes up, it should not derail you. That's what I am saying. That every time there's something comes against you, that you got to have a stinking attitude. That you got to blame God and blame the pastor and blame the church and you're going to quit. We're better than that, church. We're better than that. We have more than just the availability of a sip when God says, I want to saturate you. I've got what it takes to keep you. I've got what it takes to help you to endure. I've got what it takes, amen, to sustain you. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you and remind you tonight, friends, we are not in a quick fight. This is not just a scrap on the playground. This is not just a one and done. I want you to understand that even in the armed forces, that there were things, and there's a terminology for a long war, and it's called a campaign. When you take the world wars, World War I, World War II, these were called campaigns because this was war that stretched throughout years, and it stretched throughout time, and it stretched throughout boundaries and regions and countries. It was a campaign. I want to tell you tonight, the Word of God reminds us, this race isn't for the swift. I don't care how flashy and fast we can get out of the starting block. I don't care how fast we look on a Sunday. I believe God's looking for some marathoners. I believe God's looking for some folks that'll say, I know I'm in the long haul. I know it's a long war. I know this is a campaign. But bless be the name of the Lord. He's given me power that I can make it from here to glory. Oh, want you understand we are too controlled and hanging on to water pots that suffice for the moment. Suffice for the moment. She was regulated to schedule because what she had in the water pot inevitably always ran out by that time of day, the sixth hour. I want you to understand is that this woman, I believed, left her water pot because it was safe. Well, what do you mean by that, Brother Jake? You see, because she knew, Brother Aaron, not only every day she had to refill in order to suffice because there wasn't an abundant supply. But also, she knew the contents of what that pot could hold. It was safe. It was measurable. She could go down and she said, if I fill this to the brim, Brother Chad, I know it'll carry me till noon the next day. Can I say is that not only are we satisfied and we are sufficed on sips, but some of us come to church with our water pots because it is safe. Because some of us are still wanting to and desiring to measure God out and put him in a neat little package that we can carry around with us. Come on here. We have him, we'll show up in the altar and God 
is moving and God is stirring just like he did this morning. And God's wanting to see some folks that leave water pots and say, I'll trade it for the well itself. I'll leave my water pot. I won't just be satisfied with sips, but I want to be saturated. I want to be submersed in his glory. But there's a lot of folks that when they come, oh, and don't look at me cross-eyed. You know how it is. We'll come up and we'll do just enough. We'll hold up our water pots. And as the Lord starts pouring in, and he's pouring in, we start to get a little bit nervous. Oh, hang on here. Lord, you ain't ever put that much in there. Now, Now, remember, I need you to stay in the capacity of where it is. Lord, hang on before you do too much. I mean, I'm not used to... I'm not not used to to too much. uh, Be careful, Lord. You're going to overflow it. Be careful. uh, At the house, there's times that if there's a jug, a new jug of milk, sometimes Ash will say, Dad, will you pour this first cup for me? Because that big old fresh jug of milk, and you get it in the cup, and she's trying to get it poured in there. It keeps from it, Brother, Brother Chris, being poured all over the countertop. And milk is precious. That's liquid gold right there. I promise you. And they, you know, trying to get it. And there's a lot of folks saying, Lord, hang on here. Hang on here because I'm used to the safety of this. Lord, hang on here. I've been using my water pot for 65 years. Hang on, Lord. I've been using my water pot. You know, Brother Eddie, I I hadn't been in this thing very long. And God's been good. but, But, oh, but God, he just better keep it within the ramifications of the water pot. I mean, what will he do? If it spills over, what will happen if there's too much in there? What will happen if there's an overflow? I want to tell some folks tonight, we need to trade in water pots so that we can have an overflow one more time in our lives. We need the presence of God to permeate every place of who we are. Oh, it's safe because it's not going to spill anywhere. You know what we need? We need some folks so full of his glory that when others bump into you, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry it spilled over on you. Because right now, some of us, when folks bump into us, they get, they're worried about getting cussed out. They're worried about a dirty look. They're worried about you getting there. They're on your nerves. They're worried about you're impeding my schedule. They're worried about it's not convenient for me to deal with you right now. They're worried about all the things and all the attributes we can do. This is what I'm saying. We need to lose the safety of the water pot. She went and everything could be packaged and put together. Can I tell you there are churches a dime a dozen. You can come in and you can know how many songs they're going to sing. You know exactly how long that preacher's going to preach. You know exactly. I told somebody, I said, now here, it's a double-edged sword. I'd love to see this church grow in such a way that we had to do three, four services on a Sunday. I'd love it. But I also wouldn't know what to do, Sister Brenda. You know why? I don't understand. I, 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 I. Now some do it, and I'm not ridiculing. Please hear me. I'd have to call up one of them pastors and say, how are you doing this? But it would break my heart if this is what it said, what they said. Now you got to do it like this. you got to time it like this because you got to get one group out. If we was holding four services a Sunday, we'd wind up, just, we'd, just be, we'd just be rolling it over. Amen. I'd have to tell the next group, hang on, hold your horses. We, we ain't done around here yet. Come on here. And oh, the, you know, everybody, well, we got to do this. You got to hit your mark. You got to say this. I'm not against structure. The Bible said, let everything be done decently and in order. I'm not against structure, but I am against when the church adopts the water pot mentality that says you got to stop it right here. May God give us some folks
folks that'll say, God, pour it out. Let it overflow. Let it spill over. It ain't got to be safe. It ain't got to be contained. But we need saturation in our lives. We need saturation. My ditches right now, they're still full of water. Still, you can go by certain parts. There's still water standing. Why? Because, Sister Mildred, the ground is saturated right now. It's saturated. Can I just tell you, we need, we need some squishy Christians. What do you mean? Brother Jake, you all the time talking about we don't need to be weak. But hear what I'm saying. I want to be so saturated. Whoosh, whoosh. Come on here. Yes, whoosh, whoosh. That where I am and Sister Pickens where we walk and who we're in contact. Whoosh, whoosh. It's just because there is overflow in our lives. The water pot symbolized that will suffice for a while. The water pot symbolized this is safe. Everything fits as it's supposed to. We get nervous with God when He starts wanting to move out of the dimensions that we have imposed upon Him. Because when He starts moving outside of the dimensions that you have imposed upon Him, it's going to interrupt some things in your life. It's going to challenge. You're going to come to realize, well, maybe I should not have been doing that. Maybe I should have been doing this. He will start to put his finger on your life and say, why don't we move this boundary? We can talk and shout and amen all day long about growth and expansion and what this and what this. I, got, I want to see God do this in my family. And I want to be this as a believer. That's wonderful, but you better know what you're asking for. You know what the Bible said? There was a call by the prophet Isaiah. He said, stretch forth that tent. He said, lengthen the cords of it. I want you to notice that to stretch and to lengthen the cords, to increase volume, those are things that are not comfortable. Those are things that are not considered safe in the dimension of the water pot. God said... To them, his people, he said, you better prepare. He said, you got to get a place together. you got to get, and you can talk about all day long, all the things you want God to do. But if you've got him in the dimension and say, this is how I want you to work. You're going to miss out on some of the greatest things that God wants to do in your life. We suffice. There's safety. Here's something else that I noticed. That I believe about the water pot. It was sentimental. It was sentimental. There are some things that folks hold on to that are simply sentimental. There are some things that you are regulating God to in safety in your mind's eye. And say, God, you can't get out of this because this is sentimental. What do you mean? There are some folks you're holding on to the water pot because you're afraid to leave it behind. Because of everything that it represents to you. Listen, listen to what she says. Listen to this conversation. She says here. In verse number 12. Art thou greater than our father Jacob. Which gave us the well. I want you to notice when you begin to start to read this story. It tells us which city Christ went into. Sychar. And how the parcel of land had been passed down and that this was Jacob's well. It was a patriarchal uh, spot, a well. They were proud of it. They were proud of the fact that it had been there for generations, had continued to produce. And she said, as they're conversing, Brother Thacker, she says, So are you telling me that you are greater than our forefathers? Are you telling me that what you have to offer is greater than the sentiments of the generations beforehand? 
You see, this woman, this Samaritan woman, you must understand is that the Samaritans, they were a, a, a mixed breed and they had roots in Jewish history and tradition. And they were considered dogs by the Jews. They were considered impure because there wasn't pure bloodline there. And I don't have time to get into all of that. But she knew enough to recognize and realize and say, so you're telling me that what you have to offer is greater than all of my sentiments of the forefathers. And she says, listen to this. She says, they gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Are you telling me you're greater than that? You see, a large part of our problem is, is that we don't see Christ bigger than our sentiments. We don't see Christ bigger than the things that we value. What do you mean by that? When there are people who are held in bondage to things of the past. You see, you didn't think I was going to go here, but I am. There are some water pots that the clay that they're made out of is clay that represents bitterness and hurt. There are some that they are made of traditions of what was. There are some that are made of things of what used to be. Don't get me wrong, I love to hear the stories. And boy, I mean, what power there was in that New Testament church. What power there was in the early days of Pentecost. What mighty revivals broke out in this country in the 50s and 60s and swept pinnacles of Pentecostal power even into the early 80s. I have heard some theologians and some Bible historians who would say, those days are now long gone. That era of a move of God will not be seen again. But Jesus said this. He said when they saw the works that he did, he said you will do even greater. And the word of God tells me, Brother Chad, that in the last day, yes, there's going to be apostasy. Yes, there's going to be immorality. Yes, there's going to be coldness. Yes, there's going to be a lack of faith. Yes, there'll be those who will serve God only with their lips, but their hearts will be far from them. Oh, but can I say that the Word of God also said by the prophet Joel, oh, that there would be an end time outpouring, that there would be a revival. And friends, can I tell you as bleak as it looks right now, I'm still believing this preacher still living for I'm still going to keep preaching and trusting and praying that the best is yet to come. I'm still going to believe that God's not regulated to the sentiment of the past. But the obstacles of the present just provide God opportunity to do things we've never seen before. But we have to be willing to leave aside the sentiments of things that we've held on to. She said, are you greater than this? There are some that you are hung up and you can't get any further in God because you have yet to seen that God is greater than your history. You can, you can buy a new wardrobe, you can buy a new house, you can have a new job. You can get married, you can do whatever you want, but there's still some things you're holding on to because you've always identified and it scares you to death of what would happen if you let go of the sentiment of that thing. Well, Brother Jacob, how can I be sent sentimental about a tormented mind? You'd be surprised. We'll wallow in stuff, we'll hold on to stuff just because that's what we've known for too long. Too many people who refuse to walk in the liberty and the freedom of Christ because they are com comfortable 
in the complete dysfunction of yesterday. The complete dysfunction of yesterday. You can say all year long, new year, new me. You can have every resolution under the sun. You can have every goal that you want to talk about. But there are sentiments. There are things. You see, Sister Anna, I just believe the Bible doesn't say this. This is Jacob Smith's thinking. I'm giving you that disclaimer. I believe the pot she had belonged to Mama. I believe the pot she had not only once belonged to mama, but also belonged to grandmama. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Even Timothy, Paul said that he loved, and I'm paraphrasing, the faith Timothy had. And he said, you came by it by way of your grandmother and your mother. I'm not saying we disrespect or that we dismantle. The blessings and the testimony of the past. But Paul also told that young man, he said, you have got to go ahead and let no man despise your youth. And you've got to be an example. And you've got to put in the work. And you be the man of God. Come on here. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, Terry, it's going to be a time I'm going to go away. And my daughter cannot live off the sentiments of daddy. She can be thankful she had a father who brought her to the house of God. But Sister Bambi, she's going to have to have a saturation all on her own. And moms and dads, I'm going to tell you right now, that's what we need to be showing our kids. Let them see you move outside of your comfort zone. Let them see you move past the things that have you bothered. Let them see you move past. Let them see that there is a God that can take you past your pain. Let them see there is a God that can deliver you from dysfunction. Let them see there's a God who says you ain't got to keep bringing that pot and sipping from that same old water pot when I want to saturate. I want to deliver you. I want to set you free. I want you to walk in liberty. And power. Oh, understand. We get called up with sufficing. We get called up with the safety, the dimension. We get called up with the sentiment. I want you to know tonight these things represented that water pot. Tonight, if you will allow me, I simply want to challenge you. As the word of God says, when, it's, when we speak of saturation and we, see, we speak of God overwhelming us, I want you to remember tonight that there is a river. Somebody shout, there's a river. There is a river. Hallelujah. There is a fountain. I want you to know tonight, John the Revelator said, when he looked in that throne room, he said, and there was a crystal river. And he said that river flowed from the very throne of God. Amen. The spring source came from the very throne where the heavenly Father sat. Oh, David the psalmist said, I will be like a tree planted by the rivers of what? Living water. Whose uh, whose, uh, uh, leaves shall not wither. And whatsoever it doeth shall prosper. He talked about fruit coming forth in its season. We find that it stood the test of time I want to let you know church oh I'm glad I'm thankful there's been times I could be sufficed and sip from the water pot oh there's been too many times I've tried to measure God and fit him and cram him into the dimension of that pot there's been too many times I've been tied to the to the sentiments of that pot but I pray tonight that God would challenge our hearts and say God would you saturate me Lord would you help me the Bible said when he began to declare to her that you can have this water I tell you of she said tell you what I'm just going to leave this with you I'm just going to leave it here and I'm going to head on to the city and she said come
come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. I want to tell you at Victory Temple, may there be some folks that'll leave their water pot and say, God, saturate me with your power. Saturate me with your presence. Good hands, Brother Udy. Brother Dan, if you'd come. Saturation. John 4 and 13 through 14. He told her. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Somebody say never thirst. But the water that I shall give him, listen to this, shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Anybody remember that old chorus that sang, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes a lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And it says, spring up a well within my soul. Spring up a well. Make me whole. Spring up a well and give to me that life eternally. Glory. May there be some of us. Oh, I want to tell somebody. I want to challenge you. You have been in the pattern of thinking that what happens today, it's going to fall and fail and, and go away from you by Wednesday. Saint of God, it ain't got to be that way. I pray there's some testimonies next week of somebody who would say, I traded in that water pot for the well. I traded in a sip for saturation. I'm not saying life's perfect. I'm not saying I didn't shed some tears. I'm not saying I didn't have a bad day. But I didn't have to lose out with God. I didn't have to walk in despair. Because I've got a river of life. Flowing out of me. Sister Haley, we often pick on teenagers. Preaching to them all the time. You ain't got to backslide through the week. You ain't got to live from youth camp to youth camp. Well, we've got to preach that to our adults too. I want to see you walk in the sustaining power of God's Spirit. I want you to know there's, that He loves you enough, Sister Glory. He puts something inside of you. Sister Krista, that on your hardest day, there's something inside of you that you can draw from. Well, if I can just get to that revival, find if I, if I can just get to Wednesday, and Brother Jacob can just pump me back up again. Sometimes I feel like you're running around with the spiritual defibrillator. Clear. It's Wednesday. Come on. You, you can make it. Got to find some sister pattern. Come on, sis. You can do it. I know we laugh, but can I say, don't we get tired of that? I love you. I'll do spiritual CPR every service that I have to. I'll carry that spiritual defibrillator every service I have to. I'll pat you on the back. I'll encourage you. I'll send you a sweet text. I'll tell you, you can make it if you try. But I'm going to tell you something. You will know what will not hurt this pastor's feeling is when there is a church house full of people who can walk in and say, I might be banged up, bloodied, and I've been scuffed up a little bit, but I still got the victory. I'm still serving him, Sister Mansfield. I'm still serving him. I'm still living for him. I'm keeping my commitments. I'm staying consistent. You know what the greatest testimony somebody might have in a week? 
I stayed saved this week. That's okay. But he's put something inside of me that I can do that with. So quit being sufficed. Quit being safe. Quit being sentimental. Leave it there. The word of God said, he told her, he said, if they drink of the, if you drink of that water, he said, I'm going to give. The word of God went on to say in John chapter 7, which is today's Bible reading, by the way. He went on to say that if anyone would believe on him, and I'm going to paraphrase here, he said, but out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And in parentheses, it speaks there. He spake of the Holy Ghost, of which they didn't know of at that time. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. We need the Holy Ghost more than speaking in tongues and a style of singing and, and looking flashy and running the church and shouting. We need the Spirit of God. Oh, Sister Cindy, I draw from the Holy Ghost. He can help me to live victoriously over sin. He can keep my mind right. Brother Wesley, He can keep us sanctified. He can keep us walking holy. said I've made that available to you so instead of just sipping from a water pot I want to encourage somebody let him saturate you let him saturate you let him fill you to overflowing let it pour out can I tell some I know I'm taking too much of my time but I want to say this won't you let the Holy Ghost spill into your marriage won't you let the Holy Ghost spill into your workplace there's a shocker huh won't you won't you let the Holy Ghost here's a big one this this one you better buckle up for won't you let the Holy Ghost spill into your bank account Won't you, let, won't you let him flow into your conversations? Won't you let him flow into your friendships? Won't you let him flow into your mind? God deliver us from folks who just, I mean, miserable, unhappy, sad. Come to prayer meeting, but you're miserable. Amen the preaching, but you're miserable. Raise your hand, but you're miserable. Pay your tithe, but you're miserable. We're better than that. God, help us. Deliver us. Deliver us. God, permeate. Permeate me. Saturate me. Saturate me. Every place of who I am. Every place of who I am, saturate me. Can we lift our hands to heaven? If that's you tonight, can you just ask the Lord, say, Lord, Lord, would you saturate me? I've been living on sips of who you are, but I need you to saturate me. I carry that water pot to church every service, but I, I'm ready to leave it behind. Oh, I know it suffices for a moment. I know it's safe, and I know it's sentimental, but I need to give it up. That's what the Word of God said she did. She left it. She left it. Come on, church, would you help me pray? Oh, Lord, forgive us when we've been just satisfied with subpar. Forgive us when we've been living lukewarm. Forgive us when we've just been getting by. It's costing us. The price is too far, too much to pay. To pay. But Lord, we want to be saturated. Take us from our safety and take us from our measurements and take us from our sentiments. But Lord, saturate me. Saturate me. If you're here tonight, you'd say, Pastor, that's what I, I need him to do. That's what I want to do.
But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You've got to be willing right now, right now, you better give that pot and be willing to give it up. You better grab that water pot and say, I'm leaving it here. I'm leaving it here. I'm putting this, this water pot on this altar tonight. This is to signify that somebody's willing to leave that water pot. And they're going to go for the well. They're going to go for the well. If that's your heart tonight, why don't we come and find a place in these altars? Why don't we come tonight and say, Lord, would you challenge my heart? Lord, would you challenge my heart? What is it? Why do you still hold on to it? Are you looking just for sufficient, sufficient things throughout the day? Are you just looking for the sentiments? Are the things that you're holding on to that you think God can't get you past? Are the things tonight that you would say, well, this is safe. This is safe. This right here, this is what it, this is what I can handle. But God says, I'm wanting to saturate you. I'm wanting to pour out upon you. I want to move in places in your life you've not seen. I'm wanting to reach out in places of your life you've not yet experienced. Oh, don't hesitate tonight. But Lord, here I am. I don't just want sips, but I want you to saturate me. I want you to saturate me. Lord, I need you to take control.